The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 133 of the podcast. Today is Saturday, March 30th. If you're wondering why the episode is a day earlier than usual, that's because I'm joined by a very special guest. UFC Dana White's Contender Series winner, season two, and current UFC lightweight, Matt Steamrolla Frivola. Matt, thanks for taking the time to join the show. How you feeling, my man? Oh, man, I'm feeling good. Just got a nice wrestling practice in and, uh, you know, train with Jeff Bailey. Jeff Bailey's one of my coaches, so, you know, any, anything you need, you know, I'm here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so we're here at Gracie Tampa South, which is where Matt started out his MMA career, and then he transitioned back to New York where he was born. He's now training with Sarah Longo, Wyman Longo, back on Long Island. We'll circle back to that because you got a big fight coming up. UFC 236 April 13th in Atlanta against Jalen Turner. So how did this fight come about? Was your camp looking to get a fight for you and find an opponent? Was his camp kind of looking around? Did the UFC put this together? How did this fight kind of materialize? Uh, well, I had my last fight in November, and you know I had a draw with Lando Venata, but it was a great fight, you know, and, and I actually came out of the, it. Was, that was a war, but I came out of the fight with, you know, feeling pretty good, like not, not too many serious injuries. You know, mm-hmm. I, I took like maybe like a week or two off to let my body recover, and then I was right back into training. And uh, we actually, you know, we wanted to get on the uh, UFC Philly card because, you know, East Coast guy, sure, Philly would have been perfect. So we were pushing to get on that UFC Philly card, and then uh, we like we're waiting, waiting for Sean Shelby to contact, you know, trying to wait for uh, for some fight news. And uh, at first. He offered us April twentieth in Russia. Okay. And I was like, oh man, like, like trying to like like turn it around, like like make the best of it. I was like, you know, it's a fight. Like Russia, I've never been to Russia. Whatever. It's like right go. out of Rocky. I that, you know, that's what I said. That's what I said. So we were, we were all like, all right, you know, we accepted a fight for Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then uh, it like I want to say like two or three weeks went by, and we didn't get any contract. You know, we told them yeah, we accept the. Uh, uh, Magomed something okay and uh, like two weeks went by no contract got sent we uh, Arroyo was talking to Sean Shelby like are you gonna send the contracts and contract and then Ramley uh, Sean Shelby comes back and uh, says uh, April 13th uh, Jalen Turner okay so you're like hey you know Atlanta a week earlier you know I'm in shape mm-hmm. and then this was we got we got like about four weeks notice you know three and a half weeks notice for this fight so it's kind of kind of short notice but i was already training for that russia card yeah and i was training like i wanted to you know i was i was in in fight camp because i knew i wanted to fight either like on that philly card or april you know so we got uh they offered us april 13th and that's another pay-per-view card you know it's max holloway dustin poirier it's a big card oh yeah so uh you know atlanta is a little bit closer than russia so yeah we were pumped about it. A little bit, a little bit yeah, closer. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't matter who the opponent is. You're like, just get me in there, send the contract, and let's do this. Yeah, you know, at this point in my career, 
you know, I, I want to be the best. And uh, there's no easy fight in the UFC, especially the the lightweight division. So, mm-hmm. you know, whoever they want me to fight, I gotta I gotta beat, and then uh, I'm gonna keep beating whoever they put in front of me until we get a little leverage, and then uh, and then we could start, you know, trying to trying to pick, get the fights we want. You yeah, know? you're definitely in one of the most stacked divisions in the UFC, if not the most stacked. Uh, like you said, Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier fighting on that same card. It's oh, gonna be awesome. You're gonna be fighting on ESPN. That's a big deal. Yeah. So, sweet. what do you think about that ESPN deal before we uh, we get into? I think it's your awesome coming up. Yeah. It's awesome. You know, ES- I've been everyone, I've been watching ESPN since I was like a kid. You know, watching eating breakfast. I put on Sports Center. That's sure. like that's like the ritual. Mm-hmm. And uh, ESPN's always been like the the world leader in sports you know and you know fox was great you know it was awesome having ufc on fox i think that was a really uh big stepping stone but i think you know like espn is even like a step you know step up from that and you know i tell people yeah you know my fight's gonna be an espn and they're automatically oh shit yeah yeah that's awesome because it's, cool. it's it, it is a big deal. Everybody knows ESPN. Yeah. And if you're gonna be on Fox, it's like, well, where do you find it? ESPN is like the standard for sports. You know, yeah, you're up there little, with NFL and MLB and all that. It stuff. was a little confusing with Fox, like FS1 or or FS2. Yeah. Or, and it was always going back. I remember setting my DVR and like it would record like NASCAR or something. Yeah. And because they switched the channels up. But uh, let's get let's get back to this fight with Jalen Turner. So. He's another contender series fighter. I'm sure you've been watching tape and studying since this fight was booked. Um, he presents some obvious challenges being six foot three at lightweight. You know, besides the tail of the tape stuff, what do you see as challenges from Jalen Turner, and what do you think he does well? Um, you know, he's like you said, he's he's long. You know, he's long, but he's for him to make 155. I know he's cutting a lot of weight. Um, he's also he's also young. You know he, uh, but he's a real technical striker. Mm-hmm. Uh, straight punches. He uses uh, his length well. Uh, you know, l- good long knee, good straight kick. Uh, but uh, he, you know, he definitely wants to stand up. Um, I guess supposedly he's a purple belt on the ground in jiu-jitsu, so he's got some ground game. But sure. you could tell he wants to keep the fight standing, and um, I think the way that I mix it up. Uh, will be uh, definitely a challenge for him. So I'm looking to definitely use all aspects of mixed martial arts in this fight. Okay, so the the game plan is to bring a complete game to possibly a more one-sided game. Exactly. All right, and then I I feel, and I've been talking about this on the show a lot lately, I feel that a size advantage is pretty much a myth. And we've seen that a lot lately. I mean, look at last week. We saw Anthony Pettis, who used to fight at 145, move all the way up to welterweight and knock out, you know, the number three welterweight in the world. You know, we have Dustin Poirier has been on a run since moving up from featherweight. Tiago Santos, I go on and on. Robert Whitaker. So we're seeing more success from guys moving up than guys moving down. What do you think about the idea of a size advantage? Um... You know, in in the striking department, I don't think the size advantage is that big of a deal. I think that the the size comes to more of an advantage in the grappling. Okay. Because you know, like a big guy can kind of make you carry his weight a little bit more, and like, 
and uh, I think you can you can use your size to kind of zap out someone's energy. But when you're standing, when you're you're, you're striking with someone, mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter how big they are. If they hit you on the button, you're going to sleep. You know. Yeah. So I think the the size advantage comes more into play in the grappling department. But uh, yeah, I think you know cutting weight, cutting so much weight is definitely uh, will hurt you if you don't do it the right way. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you're trying to if you're trying to like make a drastic weight cut, it, it's gonna come back and bite you in the ass in the later rounds. Yeah, there's been a lot of studies about dehydrating the brain and oh, stuff yeah. like that, and it shuts the switch off quicker. Um, so that's definitely a concern, and it's for, to me it's good to see guys having success moving up in weight so we can kind of get rid of all the, the drama with guys missing weight and, yeah. and everything like that that's been going on. So just before you were on the Contender Series, you made the move from Tampa back to Long Island. You started training with Sarah Longo, Weidman Longo, back up there. Was there an existing relationship before you moved up there? Now, I know your coach, Matt Arroyo, was on season six of The Ultimate Fighter, and Matt Serra was his coach, and they've maintained a good relationship. But for you personally, was there an introduction? Had you trained there before, or did you just walk in the door and say, hey guys, I'm here to train? Uh, yeah, there was. Um, I was born and raised in Long Island, and then I came down to Tampa uh, back in like 2000, 2011 to go to school. I graduated from UT, mm -hmm. and uh, when I came down, well, before I came down here to go to school, I did. I w was training at Sarah's, and I did about four months of four or five months of jujitsu with okay. Sarah's, and uh, and then I actually went to the front desk at Sarah's, and I was like, I'm going down to Tampa to uh, go to school, and they they were like, Oh, Matt Arroyo's got a school down there, so then I came down here and uh, started training with uh, Arroyo, and uh, started my amateur fighting career, and then uh, you know whenever I would come home for uh, Christmases and summers and whatnot, I would go back to Sarah's, I'd go, go train with Longo and Weidman, and, uh, and uh, I would train there when I would go home, pretty okay. much, and then I would come back to go to school and and, uh, and train with Arroyo and everything, so that that's where the relationship really, really started. Yeah, and obviously it's still a cohesive relationship. You come okay. down here, you did a week of your training camp for Jalen Turner here in Tampa yeah. at Gracie Clearwater, Gracie Tampa, uh, so it wasn't out of the blue, you just picked up and moved Florida and and walked into Sarah Longo's and, and started training there. Yeah, I, lo I love it down here. It's great great training in Tampa. It's got a great MMA scene, but uh, Long Island will always be home. You know. There's no place like home. Is there anything besides it actually being home that you missed about New York from moving from Florida? And I asked this for a specific reason because I grew up in New York and I live in Florida now. Besides family and home and everything like that. Pizza? That's the answer I was looking for, Matt, because there's no fucking good pizza in Florida. And, and the egg sandwiches. Yeah. Ba bacon, egg, and cheese on everything bagel. People don't even know what it is down here. I know. They don't know what egg sandwiches. Yeah. They look at you like you're a fucking alien. You yeah, ask for a bacon, egg, and cheese. Oh, I can't wait till after this fight. I'm going to get a nice, nice fat egg sandwich. Yeah, obviously you're holding off on the pizza and the bagels during fight camp, uh, yeah. sticking to the, the water and the greens and <coughs> everything like that so you can yeah. make 155 comfortably. It just makes it that much sweeter after the fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously it's a great gym that you're training at now. Was there any tension with with people in the gym when you started there because I've moved around a bunch. I started at new jujitsu gyms and, you know, people are always welcoming, but, you know, th they're always sizing you up too. So yeah. you're coming in there, you're looking to get into the UFC. They have guys looking to get into the UFC. Was it 
automatically a great relationship since you had been training there on and off when you were home from college and stuff like that? Or, you know, did you kind of have to prove yourself or did you feel like you had to prove yourself once you got in there full time? Um, honestly, it was it was really great. You know, uh, Longo and Weidman welcomed me in with, you know, open arms, you know, mm-hmm. but, but I think it was they, they saw that I was, you know, dedicated, you know, I would get there early. I would jump rope, you know, before class. I would, you know, if anyone who was there, like, uh, I always talk about, uh, I got a training partner up there, James Gonzalez, and he's a black belt under Matt Serra. Okay. And he's the only black belt in jiu-jitsu that I would, be, I would get to class early, and he'd want to do stand-up sparring rounds. And I'd be like, you're the only black belt I've met that wants to do stand-up <laughs> round, sparring rounds, like, before class. And, yeah. And I think people, you know, saw that I would get there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a team player. As much of a, of a independent you know, a sport this is, it's a team sport. You got to help your uh, training partners. And, you know, if you show that, that uh, you know, you want to get better and you want to help the people around you get better, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know they, they really, everyone there is super, super helping, super welcoming. And Longo is the man, you know, he's he's the realest guy that you'll meet. And uh, I think, you know, what do they say, real recognize real. And uh, that's that was how it was. Yeah, that seems to be the case. I've never been in that gym. I've never trained there. But from the outside looking in, it looks like they have a really cohesive thing going on where everybody kind of stays in their lane. So if you're fighting and and you're fighting a grappler, then Sarah will step up. If you're fighting a striker, Longo will step up. And everybody kind of moves back and forth accordingly. Am I assessing that right from the outside looking in? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh you know the jujitsu at Sarah's is is another level. You know you come in there and there's there's eight eight nine black belts on the mat. You know mm-hmm. Tuesday nights and Friday mornings like I we get like at least you know like I'm rolling with like four or five black belts every time I'm in there and it's, wow and uh, and then uh, yeah the the training up there is great. Mm-hmm. It's definitely high level. Yeah, for sure. Because I've been around a lot of gyms and. You know, a lot of times ego can come into play. You have the jiu-jitsu coach who wants to be the striking coach and vice versa. And, you know, people just don't stay in their roles. And that doesn't really benefit the fighters in my experience. But I've always thought about Sarah Longo as one of the ideal scenarios where they just everybody plays their role. Everybody plays it well. And, you know, the ego gets checked at the door. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cool. So, uh, like we said, the 155-pound division, one of the most stacked, if not the most stacked divisions in the UFC, in anywhere in mixed martial arts. You you look at, you know, people make arguments, maybe Bellator has better welterweights or better middleweights, but across the board, I think the UFC 155-pound division is just insane. And we got... Actually, tonight, Edson Barbosa and Justin Gaethje. You got your eyes on that fight. Oh, it's going to be epic. You might be coming in contact with one of these guys down the line. So how do you see that one going? Oh, man, it's going to be a great fight. I, I mean, I, I love Justin Gaethje. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Gaethje. I just I, I got to make my pro debut on the World Series of Fighting when they were in Tampa. Okay. And Justin Gaethje was fighting Melvin uh, Gulliard yeah. for that main event. So I got to meet him then. and. And I remember like looking at him, and he's like this like little guy with like glasses. And, like, <laughs> like who the fuck is this guy? Like he's he's the champ. He's yeah. gonna get his ass beat by Melvin. <laughs> and then Gagey came in and like fucked up Melvin. And, and ever since then, I was like, oh, Justin Gagey's the truth. So yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm gonna be rooting for him, but uh, 
you know, uh, Edson is a beast too, so it's gonna it's gonna be a great fight. Yeah. So I know my coach Jeff Bailey was with you. Yeah, was. Uh, for that fight, and I remember him telling me about it. He's like, there was this little guy doing handstands yeah. backstage, <laughs> and then I found out he was fighting Melvin Gillard, and same thing. Now he's a fan for life after yeah, seeing yeah. that performance. Uh, if you guys have never seen Justin Gaethje fight outside of the UFC. Highly recommend it if you're a fan of the sport. So sticking with the 155-pound division, your teammate, Ally Quinta, just booked a fight with Donald Cowboy Cerrone. As a fan of MMA, you can't be disappointed with this fight, but uh, obviously you got a little bit of bias. So what were your thoughts when, when this one was booked? Uh, man, I was pumped. You know, I, we were all pushing. We wanted Al to beat up McGregor. You know, that was that was a fight. <laughs> that was a fight that everyone really wanted. But I think yeah. you know, Cowboy is is like is not is like one step down from that. You know, like mm-hmm. I think I think that's such a great fight. Cowboy's a Cowboy's a legend in the sport. You know, he's been yeah. around for so long. He's such a such a good fighter. Such a you know fan favorite. And Al. Al is the man, you know. Al brings the fight every single time he steps into that that octagon, and mm-hmm. and that's just the kind of fight you want to see. Two guys that are going to come in there and bring it, and uh, and you know I think I think Al's uh, Al's you know youth and punching power and, and striking is definitely going to be the difference maker. I think Cowboy's miles are going to kind of show in this fight, and uh, Al's going to go in there and finish him, and then. And then he's going to get that McGregor fight. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, Connor's got this pseudo retirement or whatever he's got, whatever the latest PR scheme is yeah, that he's exactly, doing. Exactly. Um, I always avoid talking about drama that doesn't have to do with fighting on this show. It's like if you got if Connor's got a fight coming up, I'll talk about him. I don't care what else he's doing. Yeah, if he's yeah. you know he's getting people just, pregnant or yeah. whatever. He's just got to fight him. I mean, him and the Diaz brothers like like everyone. They just got to fight. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I guess it's tough when you your bank account gets inflated to a certain point, and then you don't really need to do it. And then, so. but there's good opportunities, and you know maybe that hunger is not really there anymore when you're. Seems you know, that way, right? Yeah, but I, don't, I guess that's up to them. I'm looking forward to Al and Cowboy. Oh, you know, as good. a as a fight fan, that's a that's a dream matchup right there. So, uh, speaking of dream matchups, your fight with Lando Venata, my opinion. The greatest fight of 2018. It was a draw, but at the end of this fight, and I had a little bias since you're coming from, you know, same fight camp, same gyms. But at the end of that fight, I was like, fuck, I don't know. If I was judging that fight, obviously I was rooting for you. And I was like, I'm a little biased. And I was like, I would not want to judge this thing. It was one of the craziest back and forth scraps now i want to talk about the actual fight but was there any talk immediately after of running it back because it was a draw or did that just not line up time wise uh yeah you know after after the fight like during the the interviews and stuff they were all asking about a rematch and 100 percent, i want that rematch yeah that's something that will that will definitely be on the horizon you know i keep winning he keeps winning you know, hopefully we could uh, headline a card someday. You know, that'd be that would be pretty epic. Yeah, it may even work out better that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, the actual fight itself. If you guys haven't seen this, UFC 230. It was on the prelims. Didn't even get a fight of the night bonus. Yeah. Uh, but man, this was one of the craziest fights. All right, it ended in a draw. Big deal. 
that's some of the craziest 15 minutes of MMA you'll ever see. How did it feel being in there? Did you feel like you were a part of something special during that fight, or were you just kind of in the zone and just kind of flowing with him in there? I, I was in the zone. I was fighting. You know, I was I was straight up fighting. You know, he he dropped me with a head kick like I think in like the first minute, and my mouthpiece went flying out, and like I was like fuck you know and then I knew I was I was a little bit behind in the first round so I was trying to open up and and uh I you know I came back and won that won that first round from getting dropped so that was big uh but and then that second round was rough for me you know mm-hmm. and, and I, I got beat up in that second round and then uh you know I definitely had to dig deep uh to come back and win that third round so yeah that, you know I think that was it, that was a great fight just to get the full 15 minutes in the octagon and uh, really get battle tested. Yeah. So, and you know, each each judge said that I won the first round and I won the third round. Okay. And then two of the judges said that the second round was a 10-8 round. Okay. And then the third the third judge said that the second round was 10-9. Okay. So the one judge said I won. Mm-hmm. And the two judges said it was a draw, so it was a, a majority draw. Right. And you, are you just going by the scores, or did you get an opportunity to actually talk to them about it? I didn't talk to the judges, but I saw the scorecards. Okay. So. And how do you feel? You think you won that fight? Yeah, you know, I won two out of three rounds. And it, I mean, that I know I got beat up in that second round, sure. but, but was it a 10-8 round? Yeah. I mean, that's something, unfortunately, that isn't too clear. You know, across no, the no. boards, we've got... You know, so much misconception with the unified rules that yeah, aren't really exactly. unified. And but you know, as a fighter, I guess you just got to keep your head down, not really worry about that stuff. Like, yeah. tell me what's legal tonight, and yeah. and that's the way it's gonna you know, go. It down. was a great fight, and uh, you know, I'm sure that we'll uh, lock horns again. Yeah, I mean, if you guys run this back, you've got built-in marketing. Neither of you need to say a word. They just yeah. have to replay a couple of highlights from that first fight, and whoever didn't see it is gonna want to tune in for the rematch. Yeah, definitely. So, if anybody's listening from the UFC, let's get that rematch after these guys get a couple of wins under their belts here. Yeah, once I handle handle business April 13th. Uh, <laughs> that's that right. Good. We'll run it back at uh, MSG again. Yeah. And, obviously, uh, you know, your fighting kind of speaks for itself. You're not big on the social media and the trash talk and everything like that to build fights. It, if the opponent were appropriate, you think you'd lean towards that a little bit more? Or it's just not your thing. I think uh, you know I'm definitely like to like build you know build up a fight. You know, sure. I, I I like fight you know promoting it, getting getting everyone into it. You know, but uh, I'm not gonna do something that that I'm not like feeling. You know, I'm, but uh, you know we'll see. You know, I, I think I gotta be in the moment. If somebody know, if pushes I'm, the right buttons, yeah, yeah, you, you know. know, if I'm feeling it, I'll I'll say it. You know, but uh, I'm definitely a martial artist at heart, so I sure. like to. Uh, keep it classy yeah absolutely i mean you know it's martial arts it's also sports entertainment there's different approaches i mean you know to each their own exactly um so tell me about the contender series what was that experience like because you had fought at some some of the bigger promotions here in florida titan rfc and everything like that what was what was it like to be at the ufc training center and just that whole experience what was the difference in organization and pace with the event and everything like that it was awesome you know uh like i think they they flew me out there like a a month before the fight to do like a promo okay and like we got to spend like a weekend like like weekend or three days or something out there and 
and train at the UFCPI, which was awesome, and yeah, and got to like you know do do like like photo shoots and just like go around like the UFC and just kind of spend some time in Vegas, which was really cool. Yeah, and then you know we went back, finished up camp, and uh, and going out just go fighting in Vegas is awesome. You know, mm-hmm. I love the the atmosphere there, and then. The UFC PI is, is unreal. Just being able to you know cut weight there and yeah and uh, train there while while you're in Vegas is is pretty awesome. And yeah. Then, uh, the atmosphere itself for the Contender Series was was definitely uh, different. You know, uh, it was in the Ultimate Fighter gym. Yeah. So it was like not a very big crowd. It was like an intimate intimate crowd feeling. Sure. And uh, you know no no walkout music no like like walkout you know like. Uh, I think I had like like six, you know, six or seven like like people like family and friends watching me there, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Dana White like just sitting right there, cage yeah. side. So uh, it it was cool, but but I was you know again I was in the zone, you know. Sure. It was a, it was like a, another day at the office. When I'm in that cage, it's me, my opponent, and the ref. Yeah. And we're fighting. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of answers my next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is it different than fighting on the big stage with a big crowd? Because like you said, it is more intimate. There's not as much noise, but you know, you got the king on his throne, Dana White, sitting there, and he's the one you got to impress. Is that going through your head, or it's just you're just totally focused on what you need to do? Yeah, I'm focused. You know, when when I'm in there, it's I'm, I'm looking my opponent in the eyes. I know he's trying to hurt me. I know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to dictate the pace of the fight. I want to, I want to fight my fight, and uh, I want to go in there and finish him. And that's that's my focus. And uh, like I said, you know, another day at the office, another day in the office when I'm in there, and me, my opponent, and the referee that's going to pull me off him. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's an awesome attitude to yeah. have. So, uh, growing up on Long Island, you and I were talking about this briefly, but I wanted to talk about it more here on the show. You were a lacrosse player. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing you and I have in common. And lacrosse isn't something that really exists here in Florida. No, no. It's growing, though. Yeah, for sure. It's starting to appear a little bit more. But, you know, Long Island, you're, you're born with a lacrosse stick in your hand. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you feel like your experience as a lacrosse player has translated any skills over to mixed martial arts at all? Um, well, you know, you got to be athletic to play lacrosse. So, you know, I'm definitely I – was, I was a three-sport athlete you okay. know, growing up. Football, lacrosse, wrestling – and then I played baseball growing up a little too. So okay. I think all of those, uh, all those sports really like built my athleticism. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, I actually started lacrosse a little late. You know, I was I started in ninth grade. Okay. And it was because you know I played football. I like to hit people. And then I wrestled. Yeah. You know, I like to I like to slam people. Yeah. And then and then the next season came and it was baseball season and I was like you know. It kind of seems a little I'm gonna, slowed I'm gonna down. I'm going to play now. lacrosse. I, I, could, I, could, I could run someone down the field and hit them with a stick, so yeah. that sounds a little bit funner. Now, now you're saying you started late in ninth grade. Now, uh, a lot of people in other parts of the country, not Long Island, are like, what are you talking about? You know, that's that, that's when lacrosse starts is ninth grade. But on Long Island, it, it's a whole different ball game. You know, they're starting at like four or five years old, yeah. learning, playing wall ball and stuff like that. But, yeah, I feel like... Uh, there are a lot of skills that translate, you know, because you have to cut angles and, and things like that. You have to be explosive. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, maybe shoot. What position did you play? 
I was midfield. Okay. Did so a little face-offs, too. Yeah, face-offs. Yeah, I got low. Used my, used my wrestling a little on those face-offs. There so. you go. I think a lot of people... Hand-eye coordination was big, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great sport. I mean, you can hit people. You can... Nothing like, like, ripping ripping a shot and, like, some uh, some top cheese, you know. Yeah. A nice, oh. <laughs> you, know, you know the deal. You're bringing nostalgia back for me right now. But, yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize how rough of a sport it actually is. Oh, yeah. Especially since it's not around in a lot of parts of the country. I'd say some of the hardest hits I've taken was on a lacrosse field. Being a midfielder, getting going for a pa- uh, over the shoulder pass, oh. getting fucking blindsided. Yeah, it's the ones you don't see, and, yeah. it, and it's not just a punch; it's a whole body coming oh, at your yeah. head. I, yeah, I'm I'm having a little bit of flashback right now. Now that you're talking about it, uh, so usually what I like to do is when I interview people, is do it over a couple of drinks. This is you know a mixed martial arts podcast that also has its roots in alcohol. Those of you who are longtime listeners are well aware. But obviously, you're in fight camp right now. <laughs> I can't be having you funneling beers on the internet with me. But if you did not have a fight coming up April 13th, what are you sipping on to kind of relax, unwind, or to celebrate? What's your kind of go-to adult beverage, Matt? Yeah, um, honestly, I, before this, I started this fight camp, um, my uh, fiancé actually ordered an old-fashioned. Okay, and I was like, and it's just like a, like whiskey, I guess, a little whiskey rock in there, and, uh-huh. and of course she didn't drink it, you know, so I grabbed it, yeah, and I just started slow sipping the whiskey, and I like, you know, I think I, I think I'm developing a taste for like just straight whiskey. All right, so the next time we do this podcast, I got some, I got something in store for you. Then oh, we're gonna do good. we're gonna do some whiskey when you're not in a fight camp, when you're just down here enjoying the beach and some training. We'll, we'll do a little bit of whiskey because I'm a big whiskey guy. So if you like old fashions, I got some stuff that's right up your alley. Sounds good. We'll, we'll celebrate with that. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a shot to celebrate your win after April 13th too. Sounds good, man. All right, so uh, I'm going to give you the floor for a little bit. If you have any sponsors you want to shout out and uh, let the folks know where they can find you on social media so they can follow your career. Yeah, um, you know, definitely uh, all my gyms, um, Grace Tampa South, Gracie Clearwater, uh, Law MMA, Sarah BJJ, um, all, you know, all my training partners there, and then uh, my strength and conditioning, uh, acceleration sports training, they have saved me more times than you would know because they, they're great in, uh, in PT work, you know, if anything hurts, they've, they've brought me back from my ankle surgery, brought me back from an ACL surgery, brought mm-hmm. me back from, uh, you know, they, they really build me up to uh, be able to train like I train. Um, I just teamed up with a CBD company, okay. uh, Highline Wellness, and uh, that CBD is really helping. So shout out to Highline Wellness, uh, CBD, and then uh, No Judges Needed. They've been with me since my first amateur fight. You mm-hmm. know, they've got great apparel, and uh, that's how I fight. You know, and No Judges Needed in my fight. We could so. walk right out this door right now and see about. Uh, 15 no judges needed rash guards they yeah. make some awesome stuff um yeah that, that's about it and you know everyone all my friends all my family you know everyone who uh supports the journey and follows the journey i i appreciate it that's what drives me you know to uh, uh motivates me to come out here and, and put in the work every day mm-hmm. and uh i'm ready to go out there and you know and uh fight my heart out for everyone and uh you know, after the fight, have a beer with everyone. That's, 
for sure. Yeah, so if people want to continue to follow the journey, where do they find you on social media? Uh, Steamroller Frivola. Steamroller underscore Frivola. Instagram. I, I'm only mainly uh, post on Instagram. I haven't really got into the Twitter too much. But uh, okay. Instagram, you know, you can follow my fight camp. I do it all in my story. I, I try to post on there as much as possible. So, uh, you know, Facebook as well. But I would say mainly Instagram. All right, awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy man. You got fight camp. You got a flight back to New York later today. You got a lot of stuff going on. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, as as a journalist and a broadcaster, I want to be as objective as possible. But as a guy who has seen you train and putting in the work in the gym these last couple of days, I want to wish you the best of luck in your fight. April 13th, UFC 236 on ESPN against Jalen Turner. Matt, thanks again for doing the show. Anytime, man. Anytime. Thank you. All right, brother. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.